0: You're listening to the Parkview Church Training Podcast, where we equip you to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about Parkview or give to our ministry, please visit parkviewchurch.org. Like Andrea said, my name is Joella Gerber. Um, I have been coming to Parkview for about seven years. Um, I originally came to Parkview and to Iowa City for grad school um, and just have never left. So um you might see me around here either serving with the deacons or um singing in the choir when the choir is on stage so those are some of my favorite things to do while here at Parkview um and i'm really excited to be here to share with you guys from our next portion of scripture which is colossians chapter 3 so the really cool thing about the bible is it is best when we study it and understand it as one big story right not as separate things. So, Colossians is a particular type of Bible literature, a letter, and Paul is writing to these folks at Colossae and making an argument um, that Christ's redemption of believers really is the foundation for how they should participate in a new life, a full life. So, You can't take the things that you've already heard from Andrea and Jennifer and take them separately from what we talk about today. Rather, they're building on one another. So Andrea shared about how we're reconciled to God um, because of who Jesus is. And that's really good news for us because without that relationship, we wouldn't um, be able to be in relationship with God. Jennifer shared about how the work of the cross has to be central to what we focus on. And so we have to keep that in mind, too, as we move into our passage today. So Jennifer stopped at verse 15 of chapter 2. So I just want to give a little bit of a bridge because there are about seven or eight verses um, between where Jennifer ended and where all will start today. But they're important for context for us understanding what, what I'm going to talk about. So at the very end of chapter two, Paul is giving some instructions to the believers at Colossae um, about um, similar to what Jennifer was saying, how they were preaching that you had to be circumcised to be a full Christian. Um, They were saying some other things about the things that you needed to do to actually be a Christian. Um, And Paul says in those verses that that is a little bit silly um, because Through Christ, the whole law was fulfilled, so we don't need to follow the law to be able to be reconciled to God. Um, And it appeared to be wise, some of the things they were saying, but in reality, it wasn't. Um, And really, that is where our passage begins today. So I'm going to start reading from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 11. I'll give you some time to get there. Um, If you have trouble remembering Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the order, I had a youth group leader who always said it as, go eat peach cake, and that helps me remember the order. So, if that's helpful for you, go eat peach cake, we're in the cake part, Colossians. All right, Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we are thankful for the convicting power that you have in our lives, for the way that you help us understand the word and the love that you have with the Father and the Son that we get to partake in. Will you be with my words today? Help them to be truthful. Help the things that need to stick to stick and the things that don't to slide away. We love you. Amen. So like I said, my name is Joella Gerber. I am an Iowan, born and bred. Um, And that means that I'm a snob about my sweet corn. Don't take me to other places in the Midwest and say they have good sweet corn, I disagree. Um, I'm originally from Pella, Iowa, so if it helps you remember my name, because Joella is a really unique name, I'm Joella from Pella, they rhyme. Um, I am a social worker by training and have spent most of my adult life working in the children's mental health field um, as a play therapist primarily, um, but now I'm in a more administrative role in nonprofit world. I have a dog, her name is Harriet. She is one and a half. She is an extrovert, so she really wishes that she could be here today, um, but she was not allowed. Um, but she really needs Jesus, so I wish that she could have been here today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some of those things are a part of who I am, um, but someone who i been my entire life is a Gerber. part of the Gerber family. And there are certain things that that means um, for people who are Gerbers. So our family motto is why settle for good enough when you can do your best. Um, Gerbers love pizza and we would eat it for every meal if that was socially acceptable. Um, We are chronic face touchers. Like we just touch ourselves on the face all the time. I don't know why, it's just what we do. Gerber boys have big ears, Gerber girls have hips. Um, It's great. Um, We value family time and competition. We care about serving others. But let me say, doing or not doing those things does not make me more or less of a Gerber. It just is a part of what it means to be one. I do them because of who I am. And we're gonna see something very similar to that today in our passage. As we move into chapter three, Paul is going to start imparting some wisdom about what is wise and not wise for us to do because this is the reason he says we should stop sinning. We're gonna talk a lot about a lot of do nots today. But we are new creatures, we have new life. And because of that new life, we are hidden with Christ above so that should impact the way that our actions are, the way that our minds work, um, and, and how we focus on what is pleasing to God. We have new life and we are freed from the sin that we used to be trapped by. And that's really good news for us um, because, and this is the most important thing for you to hear from me today, it's because of the new life that we have in Christ, that we can put sin to death and continue to be renewed. We need this good news because in and of ourselves, we couldn't do it. We couldn't put sin to death ourselves in our own life, but it's because of who Jesus is and what he's done. So I'm going to be really honest with you before we keep going in our passage today, That. Passages like this can be really, really tough to hear and to listen to for a lot of us because we're going to hear a lot of do-nots, some of which I have done in the past week and certainly some of which all of us have done at some point in our lives. And so we should not be crushed by what we hear today um, of all of these do-not, do-not, do-nots because what the gospel said is that Christ came to die for us and take on our punishment for our sins. And we have new life in Christ as he rises again. And it's because of that new life that we can put sin to death. So don't let what we talk about crush you today. So as we walk through this passage in Colossians 3, we'll see who we are after we accept Christ, what our new life frees us from, And that we continue to be renewed as we grow in the knowledge of who Christ is. So, we'll answer the question first here in verses 1 through 4, who are you? So, we'll read them again as a refresher. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So I want to talk a little bit first about what these verses are not saying. They are not saying that we should not have anything to do with what's going on on this earth. That we should only think about heaven and heavenly things. Um, We should quit our jobs. We should shirk all our responsibilities because like what matters is heaven. We just got to think about heaven. That's not what these verses are saying. Um, It's not like me saying to my dear friend, Andrea, now that you live here in Iowa, you can't think about Georgia. Um, You can't think about your friends there or your family. And you definitely can't talk about the Georgia Bulldogs because you're in Iowa now. That's not, that's not what we're saying. So when we think about how should we then interpret this passage, we need to think about what the Bible says and interpret the Bible with the Bible. So we see in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So that seems like there's some things for us to do here. God prepared good works for us to do here. Um, We also see later in this chapter that whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. Again, seems like there's something here for us to do. And Acts 1.8 tells us that we're supposed to share the gospel on the earth, right? So again, not only supposed to be thinking about what's going on, but we're supposed to see what's going on around us. So let's talk about what these verses are saying. So remember, at the end of chapter 2, the Colossians were submitting to this philosophy um, that was trying to make them more spiritual to try to earn favor with God by doing certain things. So we have that context before Paul starts in verse 1 with an if. So if is the beginning of this clause that really the rest of the passage is balancing on. Um, So what he's about to say is a natural outpouring or what makes sense based on what that if statement is saying. So it says, if you are raised with Christ, so he's making this assumption here that the people who are reading this are believers. So since they're believers, since they're raised with Christ, um, it means that the power of sin does not rule in our lives anymore. Um, it's a call back to chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 that Jennifer talked about this morning, um, that we have been buried with him in baptism and raised with him to life. So the power of sin in our lives is dead. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can say no to the sin that's in our lives. And because, we, because sin doesn't have dominion over us, then we are able to do the next command that Paul gives. He says, seek the things that are above in verse one. And verse two says something very similar. Set your mind on things that are above. So this is a contrast to the second half of verse two that says not to set our minds on things that are on the earth. So what does it mean to set our minds on things that are above? What does that look like practically? I think looking at Philippians 4, 8 is really helpful for us to think about what are the, what does it look like to set our things on, our mind on things that are above. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things these are the things that we're supposed to set our minds on. Things that really point us to what's above and remembering what's above, but thinking on on those things that have the positive attributes that we see listed in Philippians 4, 8. So again, remember, Paul's making this argument as he goes through. So verse 3, he's saying, he's giving us a reason why we shouldn't set our minds on earthly things. And he says, for you have died. What? Seems like I'm alive, unless this is the matrix. Like I'm definitely alive. Um but here he's not talking about a physical death. He is talking to the talking about the death to sins reign in our lives. So Colossians 20 verse 2 or Colossians 2 verse 20 if we look back. Paul is saying that we have died to the elemental spirits of this world, or we have died to sin. Our lives are hidden with Christ, or contained with Christ. So that's why we shouldn't think about things that are on the earth. It's because we're hidden with Christ. Paul wraps up this section, verse 4, by saying um, that when Christ, who is your life, he will return. One of the outcomes of us setting our minds on things above and remembering who we are is that we will be changed and transformed and Christ becomes the outpouring and focus of our lives. So how do we do that? How do we set our minds on things above? And then what will that look like in our lives? Well, spoiler alert, Paul develops the rest of the point through the chapter. Um, We won't get to talk about all of the put-ons today which is okay. So I'll just give you a little sneak peek of what some of those are. So throughout the rest of chapter three, he's going to talk about what it looks like for someone who is heavenly minded. What does life look like for them? So he starts with the putting offs in verses five through nine. And then in verse 12, he starts talking about all of these put-ons or these um, things that people who are setting their minds and about, on things that are above, that are in Christ, what that looks like. Um, They are clothed in the heavenly clothing of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Um, In a society of accusations and recriminations, they speak forgiveness to others. That's in Colossians 3.13. And verse 15 says they walk with a divine peace. Um, which is established on the throne of their hearts. Um, Verses 15 through 17 says they speak with the harmony and gratitude of grace. Um, And then at the very end of um, Colossians 3, um, our relationships look different. And so Rachel's going to talk a little bit about that this afternoon. Um, But really it changes who we are in all aspects of our lives. So when we think about what that looks like practically, we gave some practicalities. Um, But I think the first thing that we have to ask is if this whole passage is balancing on whether someone is raised with Christ or has new life in Christ, the first thing that we have to ask is, have you been raised with Christ? Have you accepted the gift of salvation? If you have not, or you have more questions, please don't hesitate to come and talk to one of us who has taught up here, um, or many women here would be happy to share that with you. For the believer, um, Christ should be our life. We hear people talk all the time about music is their life, or sports are their life, or their kids are their life, and really it should be said that Christ is our life. Every outpouring from us should point to Christ. So as we move into the next section, um, we will read through um, verses five through 10, and we'll see how Paul demonstrates and instructs about how life with Christ and setting our minds on things above makes us free from our old life and the sin that used to hold us. So let's read verses five through 10 together. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, So next, we see that Paul is giving these two lists of do-nots. One is related to sexual sin, and the other is related to anger and speech. We can't ignore the therefore in verse 5. Remember, therefores are really important. We have to see what they're there for. So these lists are directly related and contingent on what we were just talking about, that our lives are hidden with Christ and that we are raised with Christ through salvation. So Paul is saying to put these things to death because they're earthly, and we're supposed to set our mind on things that are above. Our old selves have died, and sin's dominion in our lives is gone. So don't go back to those things. Remember who you are now. It's like this. So I told you that I'm a play therapist. Some of you, that might not mean anything to Um, But it means that um, I do really silly things with kids to help them learn things. And research shows us that we can learn something in 5 to 12 repetitions through play. That would take maybe 200 times of me just talking at you for you to understand. So we're going to do a little bit of playing. So if you're able, I'll invite you to stand with me. And we are going to play a little game that probably most of you are familiar with. It's called Simon Says. So in Simon Says, your job is to only do the things that I say when I say Simon Says first. If I don't say Simon Says, don't do it. So let's just do a little bit of practicing. So Simon Says, put your hand on your head. Simon Says, wave at me. Stop waving. Ooh, I got some of you. (laughs) Okay, so now you've warmed up, we'll get started. So Simon says, um, give me a thumbs up. Simon says, tuck your thumb in your fist. Simon says, put your hands by your side. Turn around. Good job, everybody. Simon says, tell your friend you're next to you that you're glad they're here. Glad they're here. Great. <laughs> all right. Simon says, turn blue. Uh, all of you are out. Just kidding. All right. <laughs> um, Simon says, don't turn blue. Good job, you guys. Simon says, don't make your heart stop beating. Great. You guys are really good at this. Simon says, don't stop neurochemicals from going through your brain. Again, you guys are awesome. All right. Simon says, sit down. The game's over. Good job, everybody. So, some of those things, We're really easy, right? Super easy to wave at me, just put your thumbs up. And some of those things that I told you not to do, you didn't do because that's not who you are. Because we're humans, we don't turn blue. (laughs) Because we're humans and our hearts were made to beat, we can't just stop them from beating. And so that is what Paul is saying here. He is saying, because of who you are, don't do these things. They're not who you are anymore. They're not who you are as a person who's raised with Christ. And he gives a little bit of a warning about some of these sins. We'll talk a little bit more about them. Um, But... At the end of verse 5, he gives this warning that they can become idols and intrude into our relationship with God and take his place as where our devotion is. And so he says, don't do those things. So Paul gives us two lists of sin here. The first, like I said, is related to sexual sin. Some of the words here are not the most common words we would use today for some of these sexual sins, um, but relate to things like sex out of marriage, misusing sex, lust, greed, and evil desires. The important thing to know about these sins is these would have been some of the obvious sins to the Jews who were reading this at the time. Um, And even some of the Gentiles would have said, yeah, we get we shouldn't do those things. He wants, Paul wants to make it really clear that these are not part of what a Christ follower's life looks like. We then see a list of sins related to anger and speech. So this list is a little different in that these would have been sins that even the holiest Christians would have struggled with. And if we're honest, probably some things that we struggle with too. Um, these are sins like being in a continuous state of smoldering or hatred, Um, rage, desiring to inflict harm on someone else, speaking badly of someone, gossiping. And Paul says, now put these all away. So you might be saying, excuse me, didn't we talk about how at the end of chapter two, Paul was like, you don't have to do these extra things to earn favor with God. And now he's giving us these things that we shouldn't do so we can earn favor with God. Actually, he's not doing these things or saying these things because these in any way impact um, our favor with God or help us to earn anything or show how good we are. In fact, when we accept Jesus, we are given the righteousness of Jesus. And this is called justification. God sees us just as if I had never sinned. And this allows us to be in right relationship with God. That's that reconciliation word that Andrea talked about last night, that, that special relationship, that right relationship we have with God. And that's all done by the work of Jesus. has nothing to do with what I do. There's nothing that I can do after salvation that earns me more favor with God or um, less favor with God. Um, and we should be moved toward good works, um, toward killing our sin, because of the love we have for God, and because that's who we are now. And really, that's what Paul's saying, that, that putting away, or how we put, that, put away those sins, is, should be the result of a kind of big theological word called sanctification in our lives. So sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit that moves us into making us more holy or setting us apart as believers helping us put to death those things. And I also know that there might be women in this room right now who are feeling shame, embarrassment, disappointment, because the sins that we're talking about here are continual struggles. And the gospel is for you here too. Just like there's nothing that I can do to earn favor with God after salvation, there's nothing I can do to lose favor with God either. Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, is so, so helpful in learning and understanding this concept. Um, he talks about how God doesn't run away from our sin and shame, um, but he is a good father who steps toward us. When we think of a little kid who skins their knee, a parent doesn't step away and go, ew, right? even parents who don't like blood very much, often will still come to them and want to help them and hold them. And God is the same toward us. In our sin, he runs toward us. He opens our arms toward us. And we can still have right relationship with God. So, one last thing. We should note the difference here between what Paul calls futile or some silly rules that don't make much sense for us at the end of chapter two and compare them to these where he says we need to cut off these sins in our lives he is calling believers to find the root of the sins that we struggle with and pull it out cut it off he's not just saying these are like kind of bad things don't do them because they're kind of bad Um, it's really intense he says like cut it off like Jesus said, if you're, I can't remember, your right hand or left hand, like, deceived you, cut it off. Very similar here. Something that helps me think of that, like Andrea said, I like to learn stuff, random stuff that doesn't, I don't need to know. But one thing that I learned about was this disease called gangrene. It's a really gross disease that literally stop, starts at the end of your limbs, usually, and just, like, kind of rots away your flesh. Um, It's really smelly, I've heard. I've never seen anybody with gangrene except for pictures. Um, But really the only way to treat gangrene or stop it is to cut off the limb above where the gangrene has spread. And so that is what Paul is kind of saying here. That sin can impact your body. And what we need to do is cut it off. Stop it. So, believers, I ask... What sin do you need to cut off completely? And who do you need to be a part of that surgery? Is it that you need to have someone hold you accountable for your finances because you're greedy or unwise in your spending habits? Does a fellow believer need to call you out when you're gossiping? Do you need to have certain websites on your computer blocked? because the temptation to watch pornography is so great or the temptation to online shop? Do you need to stop following certain people on social media because they foster envy, jealousy in you? And how in those things do you remember that God isn't mad at you because of your sins, but that you can have right relationship with him because of the gospel? And finally, how are you stepping into the life of someone else to help them cut off their gangrene? Are you in community? Are you known by people that know your sin? And are you also pouring into others? As we move into the last part of this section, um, the last part of chapter three, we see that Paul continues to discuss how it is that we've put on the new self, while at the same time, we are being renewed. While at the work of the cross, he's already made us right before God. That's not where it ends. We are becoming something new. So let's read verses 10 and 11 again. Um, and I'm going to start a little bit in the middle of chap- or verse 9 because it makes more sense going with verse 10. So seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So Paul uses a clothing metaphor here to talk about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Um, And that that new self is our self after Christ when we are raised with him. So, it's also really interesting here to look at the verb tenses um, because we see past tense for you have put off the old self and you have put on the new self. So, those things have already happened. Those are finished, those were accomplished at justification by the work of Jesus. Um, And we see that it says you are being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. So that's present tense, that's happening now. So this is this growing into the new self, this really tension between we have already been made new and we're growing in that renewal. This is that sanctification piece that we talked about earlier, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is why we as believers still struggle with sin even though we are new creations and have new life in Christ. Paul talks about this a little bit in Romans when he talks about, I do the things I don't want to. But we are being renewed by the Holy Spirit. So how how are we doing that? It says in Colossians that we are being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. And how do we get knowledge of our creator? Well, we have the Bible. That's pretty cool. And we also have God's creation. So another way that we are renewed or sanctified beyond spending just time in the Bible is remembering that the gospel is not just for unbelievers. This passage um, that we read, the put-offs and the next, the put-ons, can be really difficult and make it easy to forget that it's not our works that save us or make us gain or lose favor with God. The gospel reminds us of that. The gospel reminds us that there's nothing that we could have done to earn God's favor with us, right? In his book, Respectable Sins, Jerry Bridges says that the remedy for our sin, whether scandalous sin or acceptable sins, is the gospel in its widest scope. The fact that Christ, in his work for us and in us, saves us not only from the penalty of sin, but also from its dominion or reigning power in our lives. It's the gospel that transforms us. Um, Another really helpful tool in helping me just understand that more was um, from the Growing in Grace um, spiritual discipline study that we recently did with women's ministry. Um, And the reminders of, or the writers of that book reminded us that the gospel is central to our spiritual maturity, so that every one of us needs to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. And it reminds us that outward conformity in the form of moral uprightness and religious piety is not the end, of, the end goal of spiritual disciplines in the Christian life. It's not just about wanting to look good on the outside. But the goal is conformity to Christ for his glory. We pursue holiness and strive for spiritual growth, not to earn acceptance or favor from God, because, spoiler alert, we couldn't, but as an outworking of our love and devotion to Him. And the gospel really protects us from either pride of thinking, wow, I did this myself, right? Because the gospel says we couldn't do it ourselves. But it also um, protects us from fear because Jesus already fulfilled the law. And so we don't have to. So when we think about what does preaching the gospel to ourselves look like, in the tangible ways of the sins that we struggle with. It's saying, when you have that temptation to speak bitterly of someone else, remembering that God has the most reason to speak bitterly of us, but he loved us and sent Jesus. And he showed us compassion when we didn't deserve it and pursued us in our yuckiest places. And so that love can shine out of us. It's when at work, my perfectionism is causing me anxiety and for me to be unkind to others. It's remembering that God doesn't require my performance for him to be pleased with me and that I don't have to be fearful of not being doing it just right. And it is that when I'm experiencing shame at my sin, it's remembering that Christ took the penalty for my sin and I'm made right before God. God comes near to me in my weakness and doesn't run away from me. So it's remembering that not only do I need to preach that to myself, but I also need people in my life to remind me of the gospel and to show me um, how God's, how the good news of the gospel could change us. So I am so thankful for that good news. This passage could be really crushing with all the do-nots, but because of the new life we have in Christ, we can put sin to death and trust that we are continually being renewed. So as we wrap up our time together and move into a time of singing, please remember the good news. We can focus our minds, actions, and spirits on what is above and pleasing to God because our lives are ultimately with Christ, and we are freed from the sin that once held us. We have new life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for loving us and sending your son to die for us. Jesus, we thank you for salvation. We thank you that because of your death on the cross, we are able to be in right relationship with God. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your continuing work in us to make us holy. God, we thank you that those who are in you are new creatures, new selves, and have new lives. And we thank you that we get to live in the freedom of knowing you and loving you. Help us to have changed lives that are all about Christ. We love you. Amen.